Welcome to the Deerland Podcast. It's episode number five. I'm your host, Mike Boley. I'm joined in studio today by the big buck killer himself, Mr. Louis Zinn. How we doing, Lou? I'm good, Mike. And also joining us today is our resident land specialist, Tyler Sellins. How are you, Tyler? Doing well, Mike. Well, we are here back at Deerland HQ. We got all sorts of stuff we're going to talk about today. We just wrapped up our 2018 first shotgun season, and uh, it's one of those things we all look forward to it. And then come Monday, we ask ourselves what just happened. So uh, That's right. we're we're gonna we're gonna go over what uh, our experiences were here uh, this past week or so. And uh, what is today? Today is Tuesday. November 20th. November 20th. So, yeah, I think we met with you last Wednesday, actually. It was the last time that we recorded. And, you know, myself, I was optimistic as all get out. You know, shotgun season's coming. Tyler and I had just seen uh, my target buck that morning. And uh, it was all going to be sunshine and rose petals for me opening morning. And, (laughs) boy, was I ever wrong. But, uh, yeah, so – uh, I'll start things off, I guess, with with my shotgun season. Um, almost was a bow season. Mike. It was almost a bow season. So yeah, <laughs> I guess we we better not get ahead of ourselves too much. So uh, as I said last episode, I decided to take Thursday off work just to get everything prepared for gun season. And uh, part of that was to take my new gun out and get her sighted in. New gun, new scope, new setup. Never shot the thing before. So Tyler said that he needed to get his uh, shot sighted in as well, so we planned on doing it that afternoon. So we got together about 3 o'clock or so, I think, and got our stuff up and went to our shooting spot and uh, got the target set up at 50 yards. I rigged up this beautiful, beautiful target that uh, used to be a, a bow target hanger. It's and, pro- uh, prototype. It's prototype. prototype. Yeah, yeah, we don't have uh, patents in yet on it, but uh worked awfully slick, actually. So we got everything set up, ranged it at 50 yards, and I'm um, shooting the, the Nikon Pro Staff P3 shotgun scope, uh, 3x9x40 scope. And so you're supposed to zero them at 50, and then uh, you get on the Nikon spot-on ballistics app, and it'll tell you you know, what your other hash marks should be based off of um, the ammunition that you're using. So first step, get our shot in at 50. So we do. Um, Dead on. First shot was just a little little low and left, and we made adjustments, shot again right right where we needed to be within uh, the two-inch square. And so we uh, moved her on out to 100 yards and got her set up and shot, and it wasn't good. I thought, well, what the heck happened here? So <laughs> racked another one in, shot again, still wasn't good. Wasn't good or wasn't even close? Wasn't even close. <laughs> I mean, it, it looked like it wasn't even on – we couldn't even see it on paper. We had to walk yeah. up to the target even see it. And it, it was, was just just off paper. And I thought, uh-oh. So here's the other caveat to this story. So, you know, there was two kinds of ammunition that the manufacturer recommends. So either the Hornady SST two and three quarters or the Remington Accutips uh, in three inch is the preferred. So the Hornady's were on sale for $10 a box. And I've been shooting Hornady's uh, prior in my 12 gauge and liked them, had good luck. So I bought two boxes of those in hopes that that would be the one that my gun would like. And the Remingtons were $15, but actually no, $15.99, just over $17 a box out the door. So I bought one box of those. So I had 15 shots to get this done. 
you know, and you watch online and, you know, there's these tips and tricks of how to get sighted in on uh, three shots is all that it takes. So I thought I'll have plenty right here. Well, after the second shot at 100 yards, I soon realized that I was in a pickle. You didn't have enough ammo. Yeah, we're going to need a bigger (laughs) boat. So I go back and try it again, you know, just get readjusted, shooting off a lead sled, you know. Um, I'm not the best marksman, but I'm not that bad. And it was bad. It was bad. We were off. We're losing daylight in a hurry. So I finally say, tag with it. Done. I don't know what the problem is. This isn't going to work. I'm going to take my bow out tomorrow. Illinois, now you can bow hunt with a shotgun tag. So that's what I was going to do. Tyler pulled his muzzle loader out, one shot, 100 yards, bullseye, done. So I'm going to, like, pack the gun up and picking up empties and stuff. And I touched the scope, and she had a little rattle to her. I thought, well, that's not good. And when I put the scope on the first time, I just kind of, like, put it on there just to test it out, see how it fit, you know, before I permanently mounted it. How many times you put it on? Just twice. Okay. Just So I did it once. Um, I didn't have Loctite or anything like that yet. I just wanted to get the scope on there, just see how it felt, see what my eye, eye relief and stuff was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that the the ring, the front ring in particular, didn't get tight. It still, you know, it had a little bit of looseness to it. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. So when I did it for the final time, I went through and I put Loctite on and uh, I looked at the specs, the torque specs, and um, they uh, they said 25 inch pounds of torque for the screws. So I've, I got myself a um, an inch pound torque wrench, mm-hmm. and I went. Uh, you ever went, done that, Louie? I've never bought one of those. No. Yeah. I, well, I, I didn't know. You, I didn't know there was a poundage so, you're supposed to put them to myself. Sounds fancy. Yeah. So you read. You read the instructions. I mean, who would have thought? And uh, we'll let it that out. And uh, I also use it for my hunting buggy to uh, to torque down the battery terminals because they're supposed to be at a hundred inch pounds. And I did find out the hard way that that is critical because you will melt the the end off. So anyway, so. That's what I'd done. Did everything by the book, textbook. Didn't work. So here we are trying to figure out what we're going to do. So we run back to my house and uh, grabbed the vise, grabbed the level, uh, pulled the scope off, got our level back up, and then uh, we used uh, Tyler's um, my method built-in torque wrench uh, in his arm. And uh, we uh, got her put back together, and he uh, drove her on home. I I did it to 25 inch pounds. Yeah, I did plus. It to, yeah, I mean, she wasn't moving anyways. So we hurried up and we got sat back up and threw the target out to 50. And I had uh, six shots left, maybe. Yeah, I had six shots left. I had four Remingtons and two Hornadies left. So I shot two of the the Remingtons at 50 yards. Got her zeroed in. We weren't far off on the first one. Got the second one buried in there. So I took it out to 100 yards, shot two more times uh, with each brand of ammunition. Um, and the Hornadies were about two and a half inches apart probably, and the Remingtons were touching. So at first we thought I, I flew one again until we got up there and realized it was an oval hole and not a round hole and that uh, they were touching. So that was the the choice of ammo. So then at that point it's uh, dark and it's the night before opening season and I'm fresh out of ammo. So, now, note to all the listeners, when you're going to sight in a new gun, buy a little extra more ammo than what you really think you're going to need. 
you know, and and, and that that's a good point. The problem because was if, if if we'd have figured that out at last light with the scope, or ran out of ammo. I mean, you're hmm. thirty forty minutes to run to the farm store and, and get. Or wherever you're at, farm and store, game masters, whatever you're going to, to get ammo and go back. And, and it's so cheap, the ammo, these fancy slugs you're shooting. Why not buy a whole case? Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and if if there was going to be uh, two different kinds, or if there wasn't going to be two different kinds of ammo, um, that would have been a little bit better. Um, but I didn't want to buy extra of two different brands of ammunition. So that's why I went with a one, but that is, that is good. A good tip. If you know the brand of ammunition that you're going to be shooting, have some extra on hand when you're going to sight your gun in, uh, because it will come in handy. So even if you don't, I mean, when you're thousand, fifteen hundred dollars into a shotgun, another 15 bucks on a box of ammo, Mike, come on, Mike, come on. Yeah. I got to give you a hard time. Yeah. We were literally down to single shots left to figure out. You have a thousand dollars in the shotgun. No, it's not a thousand dollars. It's, Whatever. 1,400? 15? What? Something like that. Into an Ithaca? Yeah. The deer Slayer's that much. Shoot yeah. 600 yards. 12. What? Sub one inch. No. $1,000. 1,230 some dollars for the gun. And then. Uh, Are you kidding me? A couple hundred for the scope and the rings. Yeah. Does your wife is that listen right? to these? No. Okay. No, she well, doesn't. Is, that a, is it a bolt action? Or is it a just a single shot? No, it's a it's an Ithaca thirty seven Deer Slayer three. It's made off their old Ithaca, or their old model thirty seven action. It's a pump action. Um, you ever seen it, a cricket? I had no idea. Yeah, it's a, uh, a very heavy walled barrel. Um, the receiver is machined out of one solid piece of material. The barrel is then um, permanently affixed to the receiver. You don't take the barrel off, so it's built just like a rifle. Um, and then it's a twenty six inch barrel. Um, and with the twist rate that they have on it, um, they they sit they tell you four inch groups at two hundred yards. So it um, it actually is. I was doing a little research, just killing some time this weekend in the blind, and I and I was looking through slug guns that are long range accuracy for for what a slug gun is. And, it's the and Savage two twenty or the Ithaca Deer Slayer three. And yeah, I, I think there's a super X three thousand dollar difference in the two. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna have six hundred in a. a Two twenty five something, yeah. you know. So eight hundred. Um, yeah. Jeez. Um, but uh, so I and I was gonna go with the two twenty to begin with, um, but I I guess I kind of bought it more for what's it gonna be worth thirty years from now? You know, sure. there's tens of thousands of those two twenties getting mm-hmm. made. Um, this one here is a much more beautiful gun. Um, yeah. It's got laminate stock on it. Got a thumb hole laminate <laughs> stock in left hand. Then. I custom ordered it, so they switched the safety around to make it a left-handed safety, cool. left-handed stock. It's a bottom feed, bottom eject, um, so it's kind of a left-handed, left-handed gun as well. So the only thing that's not is the action release. Uh, it's still on the right side, but so essentially the Model Thirty Seven is just like the Eight Seventy. Um, I think Joseph Browning created it, um, and then once the patent on the Eight Seventy lapsed, I think. Um, then Ithaca come out with this Model 37. I don't know the whole story behind that, but they're very similar guns, and I, John Browning was kind of the, the designer uh, huh. to those. So, um, so yeah. You said Joseph Browning. That's yeah. J- John Joseph. Browning. Yeah. Joseph. Jo- yeah. So same town, you know. <laughs> yeah. You can go there and see, <laughs> yeah. the, see the museum. So uh, the John Browning Museum. Yeah, so, we know what you meant. Who okay. is it now? John or Joe? John, yeah. <laughs> wasn't Joseph Smith. It was John Browning. That's correct, yes. Yep. And in Nauvoo, Illinois, there is a Browning Gun Museum that is yep. a very cool place to visit and, and has some neat stuff inside it. So, yep. 
Um, but anyway, so we got the gun sighted in with uh, about three minutes of light left, probably. Um, Could have been four. Yeah, it was it was cutting her a little close, but uh, so yeah, so that about the same same time you shoot a lot of your deer is that last. Oh, he was banging away. Couldn't have been more than three hundred yards from his blind. And I did <laughs> right what, there in the yard. The last the last place either one of us wanted to be shooting, even yeah. though I wasn't even hunting that place. I'm like. Well, we don't have a choice. We don't have time to drive back up to the other place and shoot. And so, then, so what I did is I took on X out after the fact, and I went from the pin of my Banks blind that I was hunting out of that weekend to where we were standing to shoot, and it was 354.2 yards. To be so, exact. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so a little closer than what you would like, but, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. In hindsight, it didn't end up making a difference. So, Well, you gave the deer a little, uh, a little about, warning. About a 12-hour head warning there on what was coming so, so they had time to make plans for yeah so yeah before we even got to shotgun season i had already had a rodeo and uh but <laughs> as with any other opening day i mean you know morning come and fired up ready to go yeah you know been a good week been seeing a lot of deer and uh got out there and boy oh boy was it a long day sat all day <laughs> louie talked me into sitting all day and uh it was slow. Um, I think I've seen a few deer between 7.30 and 8.30, a few meaning three, um, and then nothing again till about 3.30 in the afternoon. And, you know, I kind of went through that on Friday, and then on Saturday uh, was even slower. And I thought with the, you know, the colder weather, um, kind of some rain and stuff in there, a little bit of snow, that uh, things would be a little bit better. And it just, just wasn't. Um, but I think a big part of that was um, – the trap league that was going on in the 40 next to me. I don't know. That's the only thing I can come up with. That or, that or they had a half dozen guys that were sighting in their guns on Friday and Saturday. That's what your farm sounded like on Thursday night. Holy smokes. Trap league. It was unbelievable. Now, I don't know what they were hunting for or what they were doing other than slinging a lot of lead down range. Right. I mean, I about wanted, when I went home, I just was going to belly crawl out of the blind through the staining beans because I didn't want to get shot. Because you were I scared, mean, yeah. It was frightening to hear all those shots going on. Um, all, all for a deer. For a deer, yep. Um, and I, I just don't comprehend that way of hunting, I guess, but to each their own, and, and we'll get into that later. So uh, then comes Sunday, made it back out Sunday. Um, the only thing I can think is they spent $4 on a yeah. box of oh, slugs, yeah. and you spent 30 and they're, they're like, oh, these are cheap. Boom, 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 boom. And you're like, ah, yeah, you can get those Winchester like boxes of twenty or something, you know, for five ninety nine. I mean, um, that that could be it too. You're three dollars a shot, and they're three dollars a box. Yeah, knuckleball sandwich over there. Yeah. So, so then comes Sunday, you know, and everybody by Sunday, you know, you're you're getting wore down. A couple nights of deer camp, and you know, a lot of hunting going on. Um, but I got out there, got in early, and. Uh, it was still another slow morning, you know, seeing a lot of young bucks, um, very few does, which is um, typical of the rut going on. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I probably should have sat all day Sunday, to be honest with you, um, but I just couldn't do it. I made it till 10 o'clock, I think, uh, went in, got back out uh, quarter to two. And then uh, that afternoon, about 3 o'clock, uh, had, a, had a young buck come out right where I was hoping that my target buck was going to come from, actually. And he was out there feeding in the standing beans. 
then he was working his way up, you know, up the edge of the field, headed towards uh, another food plot where I'd shot my two deer at already this year. And as he was just kind of walking along feeding, then all of a sudden, like, he gets excited and starts running that way. And clearly he wasn't spooked by anything. He wasn't, uh, didn't win me, but he just seemed excited. So he gets up there close to that plot, and then he starts just kind of walking. And as he's walking in through it, you can see him kind of looking to see what's out there. So he gets out in the middle of this other plot, and it's a couple hundred yards away. And I'm looking at him through the binoculars, through the timber of the draw that separates the two, and he's just looking around. He's standing right in the middle of the plot, just kind of scanning. And then all, out of nowhere, he just snaps his head back like it was shot out of a cannon, just whips it right around. I thought, well, that's weird. So I come down with the binoculars and look over, and all of a sudden here come a parade of deer. And there was a doe with a very good buck, in tow right behind her mm-hmm. followed by three younger bucks behind him and they were running hell-bent for glory i mean just just all the way you know coming right at me and they covered probably 150 yards and maybe three or four seconds i mean it was no time that normally and they ran into the timber right behind me so then i'm my head's on a swivel now i mean i'm covering five windows back and forth seeing all right where are these deer going to come back out at Typically on my farm, they'll run in the timber, and the does will run them all the way around this big loop through the ridges on this trail, and they'll pop out in one of a couple different places once the doe loses them. Never happened. Never seen them come out. No idea where she went. So then I thought, all right, well, maybe, you know, they'll lose her, or she'll lose them, and then they'll come back out and go back to where they were. And sure enough, every buck that was part of that ordeal showed back up, even the buck that I was originally watching, he, like, took off after him, but he was way behind, but he still gave it a, a shot. They all showed back up, right back out into the, the field, except for the big one and except for the doe. Mm-hmm. So um, that was as close as I come to uh, putting the gun up and uh, having a chance at anything. Didn't see, you know, I seen one three-year-old maybe, uh, a few two-year-olds, and more year-and-a-half-old bucks, and I thought, you know, were within a square mile of my farm. Um, and I did notice Sunday night there was more does coming back out and feeding in the beans and stuff that evening. I think I had seven or eight does come out that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Good thing they didn't go east. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. it, uh, it would have been a bad deal there. We had, uh, we had some neighbors that uh, um, had some outfitters on them this year, only for this year. And uh, there was some, some deer taken down there. And I don't know of any other deer that were taken uh, in the section, any buck. So I guess Ryan Kirby's dad did. Roger killed one. He Roger killed, killed a, a very nice deer um, that they'd had some history with. Ryan had passed him um, when he was here. Uh, very, very nice deer. So as far as I know, um, those were the only deer um, that were taken during gun season, but it was still five bucks total, uh, I, I, I believe. So, sure. Um, so, yeah, now that's over, and, you know, you're just always disappointed because as a bow hunter, you know the rut's still going on, and, you know, you feel that your odds are better now because you've got the equalizer with you. However, you just can't quantitate the amount of added pressure that goes on that Friday morning through Sunday. I mean, the number of people and the number of shots that end up in the woods, it flips everything on its ear. So by about 8 o'clock Friday morning, you can throw – you know, your bow hunting strategy is out the window almost, it yeah. seems, because everything's just kind of um, pressured. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we still got a second gun season here uh, this next week, uh, four days, and then a three-day muzzleloader season after that. So, um, that's right. Yep. And Louie, what did you see this past weekend? We had a 
I mean, I guess we were lucky to have a good safe season, which is most important. Uh, we killed a couple does in this camp. I was lucky enough to kill a doe myself, and then uh, one of my best buddies brought his daughter out. I believe uh, it was Sunday morning. Uh, they had a great uh, – they sat till probably 11, 11 a.m. or noon, and they had a uh, – I don't know how many deer they saw, 20 or 30 deer that morning. And uh, she ended up shooting a really nice, big, mature doe. And obviously I was appreciative of that, and she was just ecstatic with it. And uh, so in, in all reality, it was a very successful season. No big bucks, but nobody got hurt. And uh, I thought there was way less shots this year than I heard last year. Maybe that's just in my neighborhood, but it seemed like it was uh, way slower this year, at least Friday and Saturday. Um, I guess I should say, like, in my hunt on Sunday, I don't hardly hear, didn't hear any shots. Maybe a couple, but Friday and Saturday was I didn't wake up Sunday morning, so I don't know what it sounded like. (laughs) Just didn't, you know, just I'd rather – not know almost sometimes that's better to not yeah, know than it yeah. is to yeah but well, well down you know here what? you you have a lot more like driving and stuff like that that goes on on the weekends than Th- there is there's maybe a couple group of guys that do some pretty you know extensive drives but not like it used to be i yeah. don't think i mean it's not as bad as uh, you know we act like it is uh the one here's the difference here's the big difference y- y- you know i come out here every morning to uh, my man cave garage i get dressed i go through my routine i make sure i'm you know scent proof I'm, you know dotting the i's crossing the t's and you walk outside and it's quiet but you walk outside friday morning of gun season and all you hear is guys with glass packs and and old nasty <laughs> trucks zipping up and down the highway i mean it's completely different rushing to get to the stand and 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 you're in the stand I get in the stand early. I mean, I'd rather let it. I'd rather get in this. I'd rather sit in the dark for an hour, than get in it ten minutes before legal shooting, and you're scrambling to get all your stuff up. Well, in the if tree. that, I mean, I always want to be settled in a half hour before legal shooting light. You know? Yes, exactly. So when we get in the stand, we're pretty serious about things, and it's amazing. You crawl up in your stand. It's quiet. You're listening. Your ears are. I mean, you you can hear every little crunch, this and that opening day of gun season it's not you don't hear those sounds you hear trucks you hear four-wheelers and it's amazing how many guys are driving to their property to hunt literally minutes before you can actually shoot you know which maybe they're on to something maybe i'm doing it all wrong but you can hear you know it's a completely different uh it's not the peace and tranquility that you get during it's a different ball game for sure during uh bow season which we're all on the same team. I'm not no. judging anybody. But it it's is just, just a, different. It's it's different. Yep. And it's something that we live with uh, being Illinois residents. You just know it's going to happen. And it happens happens in every state. Yeah. But it's uh, – And it's I a, think other states it's worse. You get to Wisconsin, Michigan, oh, no, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean yeah. – I won't call it worse. I'll call it tradition. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, that, as far that, as the that, number of hunters that yes. come out and the their gun seasons, our gun season's pretty darn short compared to a lot of gun sure. seasons. So yeah. it, it's it's and it's, broken up too. Right. It's I mean, Missouri's got their smack dab in the middle of the best time. Ours is smack dab in pretty dang good time this year. Yeah, this year was the earliest it'll be 
Um, yep. Next year will be the latest that it'll be of a calendar year. So, yep, it's um, um, a lot of gun, a, a lot of gun seasons. Yeah, a lot of the gun seasons, in my opinion, across numerous states are a tradition for people. And and you know, I think as a, as bow hunters, we maybe you know, I mean, it, it's a more drawn out season. Yeah. Or gun season, it's Mike. You went to deer camp. You know, Louie, your father in law comes. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's. You know, Dad and I in, in Missouri, we do the same thing. It's always, you know, you're there the night before. It's a the, yeah. the the annual picture of of opening morning of gun season. Yeah. And after that, you know, you go hunting, and then if you get back, you get back. Yeah. But that's the camaraderie, food, adult beverages. I mean, it it's all fun. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. I still love it. And I, and the I hunting, know the hunting part of it is secondary. It's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I think that's why I still get out there because of the tradition, you yeah. know. Um, sure. There are a lot of bow hunters that just don't do anything during yeah. gun season. You know, they just sit it out. And I don't want to do that because I still enjoy the traditions of gun season. Yeah. But it is tough. Every time a shot goes off, you kind of cringe a little bit. Oh, like, oh yeah. no. What was that? What did yeah. they shoot? Where are they at? You, I mean, just yeah. – and we shouldn't be – I mean, we shouldn't be that way, you know. I mean, I, I'm happy for every hunter out there, you know, if you have a successful hunt and shoot what makes you happy. But it's – but we get invested into the deer and the herd, and we don't own the deer. Um, nobody is ever going to say that that's my deer or whatnot. I mean, we say that kind of jokingly or whatever, but we are just invested. We put a lot of time and effort, uh, resources into creating um, a plan and uh, the habitat and uh, the opportunities that we have for bow season that most people don't do for gun season rightfully so because you get very few days to actually get to do it so sure. you know um i don't blame them for not going to the links that we do um for some of the the habitat improvements or the food plots and stuff like that but it's uh it's just different that's the only way that i can explain it um you know uh, the the herd definitely the dynamic of the herd changes between the harvest that take place the pressure that's put on to them, um, and then us as bow hunters, then we start thinking, all right, well, now what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, I mean, uh, I burned up a lot of my time off, you know, from uh, about the 27th, that Saturday of October, uh, through gun season. You know, I hunted a lot, almost every day. Took a lot of half days from work, took some full days off. Um, going forward, it's probably going to be weekends, you know. Sure. That's probably all I'll be uh hunting some holidays and some weekends uh, from here on out so the rut's going to be changing Uh, a lot of things are changing after gun season for us bow hunters yeah Um, so we try to get what we can done before gun season because we know afterwards you don't know what you're going to have yeah so yep with that being said i did have some you know looking back i take it for granted i had some great hunts uh friday i saw one of my really nice up-and-comers for the first time uh, nicknamed him Burke. He's a big, I don't know, he's probably pushing 135, 140-inch eight-pointer. I think he's only three. He came out. He's got a broken right three. He came out, made a scrape, walked right up, read the script, eating soybeans, making scrapes. Uh, Sunday night, I went over behind my mom's old ha- or her new house and a place I haven't hunted for years, years. And it you know, brought back a lot of memories. I had really good. I had an awesome gun season because I went back to some of the places I hadn't hunted in literally ten years. So I mean, the places my dad took me, deer hunting. My uncle took me. Uh, sat, 
on the ground and just saw a lot of deer, you know, like makes you think you're missing, brought, you know, I brought I prob- back some memories. I probably ought to spend more time over there. Yep. I probably ought to put a food plot in and, and somewhere, uh, I would be comfortable sitting instead of sitting on the ground. So it, it's this year has been, you learn every single year. I mean, it's major league bow hunter, that show. Yep. It's all about c- continually learning. Yep. And it, it is. Never stop learning. Yeah. This year it's no different. You know, it just comes in different shapes and forms. It's been that way for me this year. You know, I've learned so much um, by education or knowledge, but also just experience and encounters and mm-hmm. stuff happening in the field and um, feelings you get when yep. stuff happens, ups and downs, you know. Yep. Like the day I shot my buck, I went from the lowest lows that morning, had my number one deer peg me in the tree at 19 yards to eight hours later, however long it was, seven hours later, shoot the biggest deer in my life, yep. you know, 100 awesome. yards away. So That's awesome. Um, I uh, I went kind of old school this year. So Sunday morning I slept in just because, like we said, I just didn't want to know what's going on. And uh, my wife and I and the kids, we went to church. We had lunch. And then at about 1230, I came out here, took my time. I got my orange. I got my pack ready. I got some snacks. I got something to drink. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do a little slow walk like we used to do on the you know on our on our other farm and just take it easy use the wind in my face make a big big circle see if i can spot anything if i can't spot anything i'll make a big circle and end up sitting in a blind that uh i haven't sat in a long time so i did it i didn't see any deer in my walk i got up in the blind and i don't know i got in maybe two o'clock and it was instantly bucks chasing does up and down the draw uh the wind kind of got a little switchy on me. I did have a doe bust me. But then I also looked down into this waterway that you never think would a deer would be, and there was a doe bedded down in this waterway. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of kind of a weird place for a doe to be. So I kept glassing that waterway for a buck, and I don't think she had a buck bedded with her. But I ended up seeing probably 12 or 13 deer that night, and the last 15 minutes of light I had a beautiful, I think he was three, maybe four, uh, had me kind of worked up. I thought I was going to be maybe tagged out. He's nice six, seven inch brow tines. I mean, he come all the way across this cornfield and I had a doe and a fawn feeding pretty close to me and just some mode CRP, nothing special, but there's volunteer clover all over the place in this mode CRP. And these, this doe and this fawn were feeding within 20 yards of this makeshift blind I'd set up years ago. The, the differences in that and a bank's blinder, catastrophic <laughs> but the deer just didn't even know i was there because it, it just doesn't get any pressure but this buck come all the way in grunting i mean it was just cool to see a different herd of deer and and it's one of those spots you just never know it's going to show up he was probably two years younger than i wanted but uh i think he's a three-year-old he's just beauty i mean maybe 130 inch eight big tall brows uh, he might have had a G4 on his left side, but um, just makes you uh, – it put, puts things in perspective as far as how you started out. And sometimes it's good to get back to the basics, yeah. you know. And I know for myself that Sunday afternoon, having that big one come out and come by, it kind of just refuels you a little bit more, you know, to end on a little bit of a high note maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the next time I get out there, I think, all right, you know, let's give this another shot. And, and I should also mention that I haven't checked trail cameras since 
I don't even remember when, the 10th maybe, somewhere in there. Um, so I will probably go out on Thanksgiving uh, midday and try to check them, uh, reposition them. I don't know. I've got some on scrapes, and I'm kind of on the fence yet on, you know, if I'm going to leave them there or move them to some more food or, you know, some travel areas. So um, I'll be curious to see what – I was going to go out right away after gun season, but I wanted to give it a few days and mm-hmm. see if things settled back in and if anything showed up. So I'll probably check them this Thursday and then maybe like next Wednesday, the day before our second gun season, sure. just to see uh, if anything is showing up and, you know, what time of day or where it is. So um, what about you, Mr. Sellins? How how did your uh, weekend go? Well, I, uh, you know, a funny story is I probably had a little technical, um, I don't know if I call it technical, but I just, uh, I thought I had tags for this you know, gun season, but uh, apparently what I had in my head for tags is what I had in 2017. So needless to say, I did not have a buck tag for uh, for firearm season, but thankfully I did buy a doe tag last week on Tuesday, probably one of the last few that were left, and uh, I'd already kind of had it in my mind that uh, even even before I know I didn't have a buck tag, I was going to take my son Spencer with me out on Friday night, and, and uh, I, that's kind of the purpose of why I bought that doe tag is uh, you know, he's kind of taken a liking and, and enjoyed a couple times we went out this year to go. And, and, uh, so we, we went to the stand probably two thirty, and, you know, got up in there. Of course we had some snacks and, and, uh, get up and have a little fun in there. But, uh, we had a few turkeys come by us at, I don't know, maybe 10 yards and, and, uh, came out in the cornfield and fed around and he was getting a little restless and, and sort of, I should say Spencer was, and, uh, we uh, it wasn't probably 15 minutes later. I kind of turned around and peeked out the window of the bank's blind, and I saw a few uh, few fawns that stepped out. So we kind of started paying attention to those, and ended up being a doe and two fawns. So we watched them for a little while, and, and it probably wasn't I don't know maybe five ten minutes later. I had a, a single doe step out, and and uh, I was hunting with a buddy too, and he was further back in the farm in a different blind. I told him if I was you know had a chance to shoot a doe, I was going to, and. Uh, so Spencer and I, we, uh, I got him in there between my legs and, and, uh, slowly trying to open the window and, and, uh, keep in mind, he's never, you know, seen a deer shot or, or been through that process. We went and watched and he's understood through bow season that we've got to get the deer close. Um, so we got, got the window open. Of course, that was kind of a fiasco because I'm trying to get him positioned and get the window open and deer happen to look over because the sunshine on the blind and wonder what's going on and, <clears throat> I got the window open, got the gun out, and uh you know, Spencer he's he's watching what's going on and and uh that doe she turned and faces me. So I'm like, Well, I'm not gonna take that shot and and uh finally she turned back broadside and I asked Spencer if he was if he could see it and he said, Yeah, so I shot and and uh she takes off running, I got him back up at the window when the smoke cleared, had a muzzle loader and, and uh she goes running over and he's able to see her see her fall down. So he uh he thought that was pretty cool. So we sat there probably f- 10 minutes and got down and and uh started across the field to her and he, he uh Louie, we need some better chairs here. This thing about went over on me. But <clears throat> he he got up, thought it was pretty cool. Um you know, first deer, wasn't quite sure what to think walking up on it and you know, a little blood here and there and but I got some pictures with him, and uh, he, uh, you know, we uh, we kind of went through the process, explained some things, and then I told him what I was going to do with gutting the deer, and and uh, so I got him the whole leg, you know, and and as I'm gutting, I didn't know what Spencer was going to think about the process, and 
And uh, so I got at the deer, and as I'm doing it, he he says, "Hey, Dad, can I look in there?" So, you know, he was uh, he was eating it up and really enjoyed it, and and uh, told the story a lot of people. And and uh, so to me, I may not have had a buck tag, but that was a a very successful season for me, uh, a very memorable season, I guess, more than anything that uh, I I will never forget. Awesome. I've probably not been that nervous shooting a doe in yeah. a long time. You know, I mean, you just think shooting a doe, oh, I'm just going to shoot one, you know, but. I mean, I was just dead set on on wanting to make that come together for him and and enjoy the experience and proud proud dad moment. Well, sure. I actually uh, just ordered my son Riker, who's exactly a year younger than Spencer, um, ordered him an orange vest and an orange stocking hat. It's supposed to be here this Friday. Cool. And uh, we'll see how Thursday and Friday go of second season and. Uh, I may take him out uh, for an evening hunt, you know, over the weekend of second season. And, you know, I, I probably won't just go out to shoot a doe. Um, you know, I will still be after a buck because that's, you know, where I'm at right now. But he hasn't been out yet in the stand. So I want to get him out there and uh, see how he does. And I think, you know, gun season is probably the, the time to start that. You don't need the deer as close. Um, you know, we'll have the, the temperature regulated if needed. Uh, we'll be in a bank's blind, so, you know, I'm not worried about movement or sound or anything. And uh, just getting that first experience. I mean, as I've talked about, he's helped me put in food plots and check cameras and, and stuff like that. So I think that'll be a, a good experience for him and something that I'm looking forward to. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe next year, uh, maybe this year we'll get one on the ground. You don't know. Um, but uh mm-hmm. That's kind of my plan with him is to, to get him keep, out. I always say, too, is keep in mind the reasons a lot of us, you know, our dads got us started um, or whoever got you started. You know, my dad's a little kid took me and, and uh, you know, remember that those hunts are going to really, you know, yeah. be ingrained into their mind, too, that, that those memories are going to stick out to them. Because I remember a lot as a kid growing up of, you know, I, did, I remember watching dad. He could tell some stories on me here, but I mm-hmm. remember watching him shoot a turkey at, what seemed like 200 yards just because yeah. it was i yeah. was there probably right know, it was never going to come in but i remember him shooting yeah. but it's uh it's it's uh it, i don't know what it is but you know it's cliche but people always say you never forget your first deer you never forget your first turkey and that's so right i've i've forgotten some deer and some turkey but you'll never ever forget the first one or even the first time you go hunting with your old man or your or whoever mentors you. Yeah. You'll never I've, forget that. I've forgotten more stories or the details about, you know, does or bucks or a lot of things I've killed. But just that hunt that evening was really, you know, is special to me, I guess, just taking him and, and seeing the, the light in his eyes of, say, of seeing, hey, this is fun. Yeah. You know, we got down. I said, you want to do this again, buddy? And, you know, he's, yeah, let's, you know, let's do this, you know. so It's just, it must mean it's, it's pretty darn important. You know, our, our you, kids look up to us, it. you know, I mean, that's that there's no simple fact than that, you know, both of their mom and their dad. I mean, we're their heroes in a way. I mean, so. And it doesn't um, matter if you've got a son, a daughter. No. Take them hunting. I'm I mean, going to take them both, you know. Um, Louie, you've got two girls. Yeah. I'm sure you can do the same thing when they get, you know. I mean, if they want to go, yeah. We'll yep. go. Your oldest is two now? Three. Uh, Stella's three. Three now. So she's getting to that age where, you know. Oh, she wants some, to go, but it, it wouldn't. She'd have to go potty within 30 minutes. And well, I don't have enough Peppa Pig on the iPod to keep her occupied. Well, and, and we're going to see, you know, 
uh, see how Riker does. Uh, we probably won't get out the earliest of an evening, and that's why we may wait till Sunday evening to get out there. Um, you know, so we don't have to get out at you know one o'clock in the afternoon and sit there all afternoon. But uh, remember, those legs are a lot shorter than ours. Are. Yes, yes, and <laughs> yeah. that was something else I was thinking about. I thought, well, I wonder if we could get uh, his mom to take us out in the buggy and mm-hmm. drop us off, and then come back and That's pick us up. Because I, I am a little concerned, I, and I'm probably overthinking it about him getting a little spooked out by walking through the timber, you know, yeah. in the dark. We've oh, got to walk yeah. down a big steep hill and cross scary. a creek. And, you know, so I'll, I'll at least make sure I have a headlamp, but I may see if I can't arrange where we get picked up in the buggy. And because, um, and, again, I don't want him to have any um, scary thoughts yeah. of this or any yeah. negative impact of, of going hunting. I want him to enjoy it. So yeah. um, we'll see. His mom still thinks he's too young, but uh, you'll have that. Um, I also just ordered him a, a BB gun for his birth or for Christmas. So, you know, um, a little young probably. Um, but I remember you remember when you first started hunting. Well, we first started hunting as kids, and you're probably the same way. Uh, hunting was like a manly, almost intimidating thing. Like it was a we stereotype people that hunted as these people that were, you know invincible and had a lot of guts and weren't scared of nothing yeah you know and now we're actually the, the we are those people now. yeah yeah but it's not it's anybody can hunt That's everybody right. should hunt and i i think so as well and you know and we have a a day and age these days where you know me in particular i did do a little a little squirrel hunting um on some squirrel land when i was younger squirrel land and uh i remember shooting my first squirrel and you know I didn't get a chance to go, you know, big game hunting at all, turkey or deer hunting when I was younger. But squirrel hunting, I was able to go out. I saved up my money, bought myself a Marlin twenty two rifle, and uh, walked out. It was probably August, you know, beginning of season. It was warm. And I'll never forget walking down this little lane, and uh, something fell on my head. I thought, what the heck is that? Well, it was an acorn. Hmm. Looked up, and there's a squirrel eating an acorn. So cool. I shot it right from underneath it. And you'd have thought I shot a 200-inch buck. Yeah. And I was so, so, so happy and yeah. excited to kill a squirrel. Yeah. And I took it back, and my grandma, um, you know, old school lady, she's cleaned plenty of small game, and she got out her old dish pan, and mm-hmm. uh, she helped me, you know, skin it and uh, cooked it and stuff for me. Um, so that's, you know, my memories. I, that was one of the few times I hunted as a kid. Um, but I, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget stopping after that acorn hit me on the head and looking up and seeing that squirrel. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's why I like squirrel hunting so much. I don't, I don't know, but, yeah. uh, that is a, a memory that I'll never forget. So, well, it takes squirrel, squirrel hunting takes some woodsmanship. And it does. It's kind of stealthy. Some patience and, um, you know, it, it can be a target rich environment, um, but it's not easy by any means, you know, no. um, so, and again, I look forward to taking my son out and that's why I thought, well, this year I'm going to get him a BB gun and my wife is not a fan of it, but I told her, I said, I can take the thing away. It's not going to be a toy. Hey, worse, worse he does is shoot an eye shoot out. Shoot an right? eye out. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, uh, I didn't get him the, the red rider, uh, from Daisy. I got him the big buck model, um, just because I don't know, it had a big buck on it. Sure. And it actually, it, it's a shorter gun, has a shorter trigger pull length of trigger pull on it. Sure. Um, stock. So, but uh, so I told her, I said, you know, we're gonna go out and it's going to be treated like a gun. Um, the rules are going to be the same as if I was with one of my buddies shooting guns. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna be around somebody that's not safe, and he's gonna learn that. Mm-hmm. And if he's not listening or not in the mood or isn't paying attention, then we're not gonna shoot it. 
and if he ends up being too young, then, you know, we'll put it up and we'll wait. But I've I've had him out, you know, in the garage and around the tractor and stuff that, you know, can be dangerous. And I tell him, hey, you need to stand here. You need to do that. And he always does it. He knows that we're not playing when we're working. And I tell him he needs to do something to be safe. He always does it. And it's never been an issue. So, um I'm going to get him out there. And, you know, maybe next Christmas I'll hand him down my uh, Marlin 22. I don't know. Maybe it'll be the year after. I'm not sure. But he's going to get started young. Um, You know, I would love to be able to, you know, take him out for his first, you know, uh, crossbow hunt young. You know, know, and that's the upside to a crossbow. Seven, eight years old, he can go out bow hunting. Um, And maybe, just maybe, he could be the first guest on the Squirrel Land podcast. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, you know, he might be the one to, to host that up, you know. Um, yeah, Squirrel Land. Yes. And I, that's something, you know, maybe he'll he'll fall in love with it as well. But uh, um, so, yeah, you know, it goes back to carrying on the tradition. And, you know, you hear if you, if you read any type of hunting news, whitetail news, anything like that, you talk about declining uh, – participation numbers oh yeah declining license sales and stuff like that and i think some people are don't understand where most of the revenue for a lot of um dnrs and stuff comes from it comes from license sales and tag sales and permit sales and stuff like that we're kind of a self-funded in a way um uh, industry or or hobby or um entity of the government so those license sales and permit sales is very important. Um, and just the, you know, I think if you lose too many, you lose um, the history. Um, yeah. And we've already done that. And, you know, we've lost a lot of woodsmanship um, with technology. And I think there needs to be a fine line of um, using technology, but also still knowing to go out and, you know, yeah. cut a track and you yeah, know, see sign exactly. and beds and, and stuff like that. And that's stuff that I'm still working on as well. Um, you know, I'm not a great woodsman. It's not something that just comes natural. It takes time um, and repetition and getting out there and doing it. Um, but I think it's very important. My biggest downfall is, is I have zero sense of direction. Hmm. Even on my own farm, you get me out there and I just get turned around. I couldn't tell you which way was north to save my life, especially if it's cloudy. Yeah. Um, That's but, why he always says that place hunts like a hundred instead of a 35. <laughs> he's, yeah. not, he's actually not even on his. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Luckily with on X maps and I, I'm telling you, you know. His wife has to shoot a flare at night so he can get back home. <laughs> if, Ring the dinner bell. <laughs> if you don't have on X maps, and I know that, you know, it's probably a lot of people think it's for public land hunters or stuff like that. It is a very good tool for guys that own 40 acres of land, you know, private land, because uh, the features on it to map out stuff on your own property to, you know, to be able to zoom out. And in case you had to track an animal on a a separate property, you can get an idea for one, who owns it if you don't know, uh, where it may have went. Um, And also it tells you where you're at, yeah. you know? So if yeah. you do happen to get turned around or something, um, and something else that I've always thought about as well is if say something happens where I'm out, you know, trying to, to find a deer and I fall and break my, break my leg, sure. you know, um, where are you at? Well, you know, I can try sure. to explain it to you or I can just send Tyler a, a pin, mark my location, send him a pin. And sure. he knows exactly where I'm at. That's sure. how I told him how to get to deer camp yep. Thursday night. I just sent him a pin and said, this is where I'm yep. at. You know, yep. Um, yep. It, it works. So that's where technology can be a fantastic tool. It's, it, it can, it can be a fantastic tool and make things more ethical and make you do the right things. Great story. I'll try to make it short. Uh, last week, 
uh, I was talking about how important it was. I met and talked. Well, I met him before, but I talked to the neighbors to the south uh, for an hour, and we learned so much about some of the same deer we were hunting. So that day after, actually to the east of me, um, I was gone. Uh, and the Georgia guys were going out to hunt here south, and my driveway is a dead-end road. And uh, I got home that night, and uh, Tracy, uh, the nice guy from Georgia, called me and said, Hey, uh, just want to let you know, there's some guys that hunt east of you, and they shot a deer, and it ran onto you, and they're trying to get a hold of you. They came down your driveway. You weren't home. I wasn't going to give them their phone number or your phone number just because I didn't know how you felt about that. But they're trying to get a hold of you, and, and they shot a deer, and it ran onto you. So I came home and I'm like, well, I don't, this will be interesting to see how this shakes out because I still don't know what happened. And then I thought, you know what? Because Tracy said they, they, I told them to come up to your house and see if you were home and you weren't. So I'm like, you know what? They might have left something at the front door. So sure enough, they left a nice note on the front door saying, here's my name. Here's my phone number. Here's the property we hunt. We shot a deer at this time. We didn't find it on the property we were hunting. It went over onto you. Can you call us or text us? Because service out here is sketchy. So I actually got a hold of the guys. And uh, long story short, they're from the same area as my wife. Uh, Young guys, younger than us, probably 30, 34 years old, somewhere in there. But uh, they did the right thing. Because they were looking, they were looking at a map on their phone and probably noticed that they were getting close to somebody's boundary. And uh, that app on their phone probably even told them who that property was and maybe that I lived here or blah, blah, blah. But uh, turns out we've become friends on Facebook. We message back and forth. We share pictures. They actually shot um, uh, one of them. His name's Joe. Joe shot uh, a buck that. I kind of was after all year, uh, just a nice eight-pointer, four-year-old. Uh, he ended up shooting him that morning, and then his friend uh, hit a deer that night. They, they didn't recover it, but I got in touch with him, and I said, you guys do what you got to do. You guys did it the right way, you know. And anybody that uh, shoots a deer and it runs over onto your property, um, whether you love them or you hate them, uh, you got to let them look for that deer. You owe it to the deer. You owe it to the deer. Yeah, that's right. And I, but these guys, these guys did it the right way. Did they ever find the deer? Did you? They never did. Never did. No. The next morning they went out and looked for maybe three or four hours, and they never did find it. Which is, they think they maybe hit in the shoulder, which is is probably non-lethal. But uh, you haven't seen him show back up on camera yet. I haven't checked cameras like you. Yeah. But uh, that's how you're supposed to do it. And and you know, I didn't know a thing about the guys hunting that property, and now I know them got their phone number we we text we facebook message so we can both share uh, management philosophies and if we can but we we can all agree on certain things and some deer might uh grow up to be a little older and yep more quality that's what it's about quality deer management is all about friendships and how you get along with your neighbors, it's about not, neighbors getting along yeah what it is. not just about old deer big deer anything like that it's about quality and that quality encompasses more than just the deer you know it's the whole the whole package you know the the friendships and the 
the the stuff you do before you ever get to the woods or in the off season. I mean, um, there's so many different aspects that go into you know quality deer management, whether that be you know QDMA quality deer management or just quality deer management in general, um, which is something that you know the three of us are all like-minded in. I mean, I haven't been through the QDM uh, classes yet, Tyler. I know you're in Land Steward 2 now. Uh-huh. Um, and I hope to be at some point. I mean, that's a, a goal. It just hasn't uh, been able to happen yet. I've got other things to get done ahead of time. But I do want to do that, and not for any other reason than to gain the knowledge. Sure. I mean, um, that's I mean, all that it's about. I, I would encourage anybody to, at some point, do do Level 1 and do Level 2. Uh, you know, they're going to cost you some money to do. But uh, you're going to take a lot of knowledge away from those. There's a lot of good, uh, you know, a lot of good people. They're going to, you know, Joe Hamilton, the founder of, of QDMA, um, you know, Kip Adams. Uh, they Harper, are a lot. Craig, they, Craig Harper. I mean, it, and I and I think I've said this on, on a couple of the one or two of the past episodes of, you know, Craig Harper, if you don't have one of his books or his publications, get it, read it, learn it. Uh, you, you will take something away from it. Um, you know, I mean, I don't never stop learning that that's yeah. information that you. Just I think well, it, it I should do. be one of our goals to have those guys on this podcast. Yep, and along you know, with a lot of other guests, but the never stop learning thing. I mean, that's just a good principle to have in life too. I mean, never rest on your laurels. Don't ever think you've got it all figured out. There's always someone out there that knows more than you that you can learn from. Um, in my line of work as a cop, you know, there are new cops that are just fresh out of the academy that are learning something new that I didn't know about. So I don't hesitate to call them. I don't care if you've been doing it six months. I've been doing it 15 years. That doesn't matter. Um, exactly. You, know, you does, can always learn something new. does not matter how experienced or how unexperienced somebody is when in the hunting world. Uh, you know, be humble. Yep. Talk to that person because no matter how much you think you know, Mark my words, you can learn something from that other person. They, well, they, they have a little piece of knowledge up there that if you listen, they'll give it to you, retain it, you'll apply it somewhere in life in, in, in your hunting, you know, what you're doing. And that's something that, you know, Tyler, your and I's uh, friendship that I've always been so thankful for is, you know, I've come in with, you know, less experience um, and from when we first met, I mean, I didn't have quite as much knowledge, but I have a lot more now, but we will talk, we talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, and I'll bring up a new idea of something I read or something I'm thinking about trying. And you've never really just come out and said, well, that's dumb. Or, you know, I wouldn't do that. Or, you know, it's always, all right, you know, sounds all right. Or maybe you'll learn a little bit more, or, you know, do a little research or ask around and, you know, maybe you'll have somebody tell you that they've done it and maybe be careful, or maybe they'll tell you, Hey, yeah, that's a good idea. And, um, but it's never been one of those things that, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years and I haven't, and you know, that's not the way to do it because you've never done it that way. So it can't be the right way. That's not the way to go about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the three of us, that's how we get along so well is, uh, we all have a little bit different ways of doing things, but I think as time goes on, you're going to see each of us taking a little bit from here and here, and uh, whether it be how we do our food plots or um, some of our hunting strategies and stuff like that, just because um, we're always open-minded if it's something that you know might be working good. And I, talk, I talk to a lot of people all the time, whether you're out, you know, looking at properties or talking to buyers, and and you know, deal with a lot of people that are of various ages. You know, I've had guys that are twice my age that we'll just be riding along talking about something and, and I'll mention something and he'll kind of, you know, kind of look at me funny a little bit and, and, and we'll spend 15, 20 minutes talking about it. He's like, man, I, I never thought about that. You know, that that's a good idea. And, and, and vice versa, people that are, you know, way older than I and, and had way more experience, I'll learn stuff. And people that are younger than me, I'll learn stuff. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, always uh, don't ever 
I'm always a firm believer, don't ever be the guy that knows everything in the room. You know, you can learn a lot from listening that's to people exactly and, and right. just sharing your life experience. It's the old saying, that's why you have two ears and one mouth, you know. Yeah. Do twice as much listening as you do talking. And, you know, back to the QDMA thing, and that is something that I really want to do. And, you know, maybe Louie, you and I, that's something we can get done together because the, yeah. the level two, got to go, you know, somewhere. They have a couple of them a year and, and in person. And, yeah. um, but I think that's something that we should do together yeah. and, um, you know, plan on uh, having a goal for that because I think it can benefit – us and our farms and our kids and mm-hmm. you know um knowledge is priceless that's one of my one of my I, mottos i learned stuff from that class i never knew i mean uh i think it's called toxoplasmosis if you don't know what it is look it up yeah i, I mean freeze deer meat for eat it right i'll leave it at that and like i don't i don't know the specifics of it i just learned enough of that so Little things like that. that Man, just, I did just have some fresh backstraps off that old buck that tasted awfully good, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very rarely do I eat fresh meat because I don't have the time, but I did eat those, and uh, they were awfully tasty. But, yeah, it's just stuff like that. And I'm sure once I hear about this, I'm probably going to be freezing it all, hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're at that class, and there's 50 of us there from, from our company, and, and, you know, these guys are teaching us things, and they're saying things. And, and you look around the room, and it's like, Man, when when there's 45 guys in the room that didn't know some of this stuff, you know, I mean, and not saying that we're we're dumb, and not saying that we know yeah. it all either, but it's kind of like, wow, we didn't know that, yeah. you know, yeah. just I mean, those guys so, are biologists. I mean, they they know their stuff. They're I mean, deer they're, biologists, right? I mean, that's all they do. And there are there's a lot of knowledgeable people out there, um, and the one upside to the hunting industry or the outdoor industry or wildlife um, education and research is it appears that a lot of the people that are um, academically um, uh, trained or uh, have a lot of academic uh, research under their belts, they also uh, have field work under their belts. They're mm-hmm. outdoorsmen, hunters, nature you know, lovers themselves. Yeah. Um, so it's not just somebody that all they've ever done is move from a, you know, a concrete city go to a school, they get a degree, and they learn everything from a book, and then they go teaching everybody and telling them. They've been out there in the real world, um, seen it firsthand, themselves experienced it. Um, It brings a little bit different uh, set of uh, credibility to what what they have to say. So, um, well, guys, you know, we we talked before we started this podcast. We wanted to have, you know, just kind of a topic to talk about, and we kind of had one in mind, and um, we didn't want to just sit here and BS um, for an hour, um, but we've now officially made it 58 minutes and 45 seconds of kind of BSing. Um, but, uh, you know, this isn't what the Deerland podcast is always going to be. Uh, however, I'm a firm believer that if you get a good conversation going, this was all organic. We didn't come off of any notes or anything. That's right. um, we just kind of let it go. Uh, I know some of our listeners do enjoy that. Um, people that probably have never met us, um, maybe it's not their cup of tea. But we do promise you that we will have um, some more guests and some more Topic, topics. Topic-focused. You know, especially – sure. Uh, as deer season begins to wind down, we're not going to have the real-time stories and stuff mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, it's going to be a long off-season um, where we're not going to have anything to talk about, so we're going to have to pick a topic and discuss that, um, whether it be amongst ourselves or hopefully with some guests as well. So um, bear with us. I mean, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this. I mean, you know, we've got three guys here that uh, – 
uh, our everyday guys. We all have careers. We hunt on the side. Um, we're passionate about it. We're wanting to learn, and we'd love to talk about it, obviously. Um, we hope you guys listen and listening enjoyed as well. Um, but uh, I know uh, I'm excited uh, for another gun season to get here uh, this weekend. Looking at the weather, it looks a little – a little sketchy, maybe, um, but ne- next weekend. I, I'd yeah. probably skip a weekend, Mike, for you go gun hunting. No, <laughs> you said this weekend. Yeah, probably. Looking, probably I'm so. looking forward to gun season, but right. however, this weekend for bow season, um, I I don't know what the weather's going to do. But I was just thinking today that I'm almost kind of getting it's supposed the to get itch. cold next week. It, Supposed to. It's supposed to cool down. It's supposed to be nice for the holidays, which is great. Yep. Um, but uh, some precipitation over the weekend. Um, but I think even if it's some rain, I'm probably going to have to go out and get a sit-in Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Um, just even today, I felt odd that, man, I wonder what the deer are doing. And, you know, now that I'm having to work and I tell I get off work, it's starting to get dark already. Um, <sighs> it just feels different. Yeah. Um, and and I'm sure once I sat out there a couple times and maybe didn't see what I was hoping to see that I'd be back saying, all right, I need to take a break. But um, it's just that not knowing. You it know? seems like if you give them three or four days to calm down, sometimes it can be some of your best your best chances yeah. of catching one. Yeah. You know, we were talking off the air. they're a little skittish, maybe even today. When the firing know? squad uh, subsides for a couple yeah. days and they can finally uh, relax. But we, we were we were talking off the air trying to figure out where's the rut at? And, you know, at least in Hancock County, Illinois, which is where we all hunt and where we're from, even just figuring out where it's at here, I don't know. Well, I think um, Sunday, obviously, it was still going on Sunday because I had a mature buck hard chasing a doe, oh, yeah. bunch of young bucks out. So that's still happening. I think it's still like 75% of your does have been bred, which leaves a lot left. Yep. And then you're, you know. There's some really you're, good You're days. always going to have fawns maybe coming in. Yeah, uh, that's the yeah. thing, and that yeah. may be even be mid December, even that, you know, that, early December. That's the, these these coming days right now, I think, can be some of the best days you can have, just simply because if a lot of your does are bred, your bucks are going to be back on their feet looking for those last remaining does that are still out there. If they're in, uh, you know, I mean, if, if all your does are yeah. bred and the bucks have still got, you know, rut on the mind, they, they're they're looking. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think this is a great opportunity for a few days here. They're finding some, some yeah. deer that are going to be cruising and you, looking for those you, last few days. You talk so. to them guys that, that are diehard hunters that hunt Iowa and Kansas, the, their best days are like right, right now. now. Yep. For killing the big magnum yep. six, seven, eight-year-old deer. And, you know, and I think ours probably would be too if it wasn't for the gun season, you know. Yeah, to, it shakes things up. To yeah, kind of throw sure. things off a little bit. but It shakes it up, but at the same time, I'll probably say that that 95%, I shouldn't say 95%, but a large majority of your hunters after Sunday of first gun season. They're done. They take some time off. Yep. Oh, yeah. When, you know, Louie, you've got a bigger track here that maybe getting right back in that stand might be the better thing to do. Oh, too. yeah. You, I mean, yeah. you just never know. But it's the yeah. mindset of you've been you've been at it for several weeks of bow season and yep. first gun comes and, you know, at that point maybe you're ready to take a few days off. Yep. And, and Last year I, I was burnt out. At about this time, and I, I let a good friend of mine come out here and hunt, and I put him in one of my best spots, and it was the uh, Tuesday after gun season. He went out and sat all day, and he said, man, it was a zoo. I mean, it was an absolute zoo. Deer running everywhere. Which uh, is what today is, the Tuesday yeah, after gun season. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like today. And uh, I couldn't hardly believe it, you know. But uh, You probably weren't even thinking about deer hunting that day. I think we probably uh, we overanalyze what gun – 
hunters and the, that pressure means for depends on the size of the track i mean i've got a little good here where i can kind of make it a sanctuary well which is a reason why i didn't hunt here uh half the days of gun season i just let the deer go in and find a safe, safe place and get away from the gunfire and and i think my experience on sunday having that large mature buck chasing a doe on sunday you know it's still happening the rut's gonna happen oh, yeah. you know um and this was three o'clock in the afternoon so um and i think from what i've heard over the years is you know when the the number of does that haven't been bred is you know a, the, a minority 10 15 20 percent that the mature bucks are the ones that are trying to get those and usually get those you know sure. um that the the amount of uh recipients is is dwindled so um especially the, when you're in a balanced deer herd yes is going to make a huge difference so if you've already got a one-to-one two-to-one buck to doe ratio mm-hmm. you know the, those kinds of where you've got a good balanced herd and you're not you know you don't have five does to one mm-hmm. buck yeah and those and those scenarios right there is when when this is really these days right now are really going to show or, or really shine and that's something that can be hard to figure out i've tried you know figuring that out where yep. i'm at but i only own 35 acres so it's hard for me um, but from what I've seen, I'm not overly concerned by the number of does. You know, I went to 2016, didn't kill a doe. Last year I killed one. This year mm-hmm. I've killed one. And I probably won't kill another. Um, I may late season if I don't get another buck tagged. Um, but uh, I don't think we're too far out of whack. Um, but sure. it's still hard keep, to say. But Yeah, keep some, you know, I always tell people, is keep some notes of your in your mind, mental notes of yeah. just what you're seeing. You know, today, okay, how many, if you can distinguish between does and fawns, because mm-hmm. fawns, tough for me fawns yet, typically are born at a 51-to-1 ratio, yep. you know, buck to doe. So that's typically mm-hmm. stays within what you want it to be. So if you're not paying as much attention to your fawns, mm-hmm. assuming that they're not getting shot, look at your mature does versus your bucks, what you have in there, and you can kind of figure some things out right in there. Yeah, so and, a good, I, and a good time to do that is – not in December and January when you might have a bunch of food. Right. That's not a good indicator. Because of you, you may have. be bringing no, in deer from a July, yeah. July, August, September, October is probably a better indicator of how many does actually make your farm the home. Yeah, there's there's a lot of other there's other states that you're able to, to do supplemental feeding. Yep. In those states, those are great states where you can do trail camera surveys and really figure out what your buck to do ratio is. Very good are. inventory, and accurate in, inventory. In, the, yeah. in the state of Illinois, it's it's difficult, more difficult, I should say, to yeah. do that because we can't bait. Right. You know, yeah. your late season that that is not a good time, like Louis said, to be able to, to establish what your buck to do ratio is because you're probably pulling deer from neighbors you've got all your neighbors deer and your deer in there so yeah and you know the the one thing that i tell myself as well is you survive the first gun season um you know it brings out a large number of hunters there are a a large number of those hunters that are there to shoot meat um that are not concerned about age antler size and whatever and that's fine Mm -hmm. um however for a bow hunter um or somebody that is out to you know shoot an age class deer or whatnot uh, that can play havoc on on things for a while yeah however you get to second season and there will still be plenty of hunters out there but as a rule most of the guys that are out there just to fill a freezer or to shoot whatever walks by them most of them have tagged out 
Um, and then I think also second season, a lot less people take time off of work to hunt Thursday, Friday. Um, you know, so you have the weekend. Um, so I always feel like second season can be good, especially now that I have food. I feel a little bit better about it. But the weather's going to play a big part in it. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to hunt mornings. You know, I know you get a little bit later in the season, and that can be tougher. But, again, this is our earliest cycle that it's going to be with the way the calendar falls. So our second season will open November 29th. And I think it's still worth it to get out there early and try to, you know, try to catch something in the morning. Um, so by muzzleloader season, maybe I'll switch to just hunting evenings. Um, or maybe I'll hunt a couple mornings and see how it is. And if I'm getting busted by deer in the field trying to get in or I'm just not seeing anything, you know, maybe then I'll, the weekend I'll hunt the evenings. I don't know. I'll play it by ear. I'll tell you what, what I'm like. looking forward to, Louie, is uh, Mike was talking here before we started the podcast about the, uh, the uh, Bowley Farm. Uh, deer drive? Well, no. not deer drive, but he was just talking about open invite for the month of January. Come up and do some hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tyler's already talking about uh, bringing in uh, another blind and staking his claim. And <laughs> uh, I'm not staking any claim. I'm liable to bring the blind up and never even look at it again. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you, uh, I'm just skipping through my Facebook and Instagram here. I think it's. I think we should mention our good buddy Mike, Michael Turbyfill. Oh, Turb, Turb, yeah. Turb. They killed a – they killed some really nice deer. Yeah. M- Michael killed – Britta, Britta T- killed Turb him. killed a great deer. Britta killed a great deer. Her dad killed a great deer. And I, I like – what uh, Turb does with his photography and, and the storyline and all that, make no mistake, we're trophy hunters. But there's nothing to be ashamed of no. that because us trophy hunters care more about that deer herd and those trophies than, than – anybody else and that's you know, right and, let's, and, let's make no mistake we we're, we're trophy hunters we're not ashamed of it oh no you know and i'm the type that you know I, I i kill a deer and i give the meat away because it's more than my family will eat my wife doesn't sure. eat it um you know i keep what i can get through in a year and then i give it to a family that needs it yeah um and there is nothing that i love more than to be able to go down and look at my mount in my man cave. I mean, we're, I really do enjoy that. We're tro- but the, we're, it's a story that's the most oh, important. Man. We're not doing it to, as a status symbol so we can get a customer. Could care less. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just uh, the memories. Of yep. We're trophy hunters from the aspect of age, a lot of us. Of oh, Q, yes. Of QDM management of what a lot of people are doing. Sure. But trophy, trophies, Tro- trophies come, come in different scores. Yeah. If you're – I mean, for some people, if you're a horn hunter, and I'll call – a difference between a, a trophy hunter and a horn hunter maybe is is if you're hunting solely on the the inches and not the age. I think yeah. a lot of us around this table here are hunting the age, not the yeah. You know, Louie, you were sitting here telling us a story about a buck over here that's 140, 140 yeah. inch, 140, 50 yeah. inch deer. Yeah, maybe that, I haven't scored him. That yeah. that, that, that never was, scored that. That deer. was an eight year old deer that used to yeah. be 180 inch yep. deer. So yeah. that, that got stricken uh, with a little EHD, you know, yep. possibly, and, yep. and and really went down from a 180 to a 140 yep. year over year. So the year before he was, I missed him. Um, I've got hundreds of trail picks. He's pushing 180. It would have been the biggest deer I've ever hunted, probably still is. And uh, he was seven, and then he went from seven to eight, and he he shrunk a lot, which is. My luck. Yeah, you know, but, but still, man, it, still, it felt really good. Still to kill a trophy. Him. November nineteenth. That's an eight-year-old deer. How many people are gonna have an eight-year-old deer on their yeah. wall? And that's you know the buck I just killed. The thing I am the most proud about, regardless that you know it's my biggest scoring wise, but it's a seven and a half year old deer. It's awesome. You know, 
and I I keep going back and looking at his pictures. Just doing it at work today. I put the picture with me and and the kids. That's my screensaver on my on my work computer. And I'm looking at him, and he's just so gray all the way through. His nose is discolored, and he just looks ancient. Sure. And that's something that I'm very very proud of. So much more proud of than if he'd have been a 164 year old, which is a deer that I would still shoot because where I'm at in my career and on my farm. Um, a four-year-old deer is something that I'm going after. Yeah. And I hope maybe someday I'll get to the point where um, I'm hoping just to go after a five-year-old. I'm not there sure. yet. I don't know if I ever will be. I don't know. But right now, this is the, the standard I've set for myself to make myself feel ful- fulfilled. Sure. Um, and, you know, in certain places, you know, maybe even here in Hancock County, there are people that are after a three-year-old because, you know, that's what they've been trying to get after. Sure. Um, so, uh Again, I am happy to say I am a trophy hunter as far as um, I respect the animal. I respect the the mount, the story, um, the the memories of it, um, and that is the something. Chase. Yes, yeah. and yeah. and I'll, I have a trophy to remind myself of that in right. 30 years when I have grandkids that come up and look at my mounts and they ask me about this one or that one. I can tell them about it and tell them sure. the story. As you listeners know, I can sit and tell a long story about killing a deer. So yeah. that's not going to change. Um, and, and I don't, I, and I, I don't, uh, I don't feel bad about, about doing what I do, yeah. you know, um, especially after going out there and realizing how many two year old bucks, year and a half old bucks, three year old bucks that, a guy like me could kill on a small farm nonstop. Sure. Um, to, to me, it just would not be as satisfying. Um, going after those four, five, six-year-old deer, man, nothing better for me. It's completely different. And it may take a few years, you know, every three or four years, maybe all that you get a chance to harvest one. But uh, yep. that makes it all the, the more rewarding. And you may have a year where you get lucky and you have a couple that you're yep. able to get tagged on. Yep. But uh, I'm not going to change my standards for anybody or anyone. Um you know, it'll be what makes me happy. That's right. You and, got nothing to be ashamed of. Yep. That uh, deer that Breda killed is like 180 something typical, net, uh, net typical, uh, puts it like top six or seven. And as far as bucks at uh, top female yeah. uh, bow hunters. Just an amazing. Awesome. And I don't have the full story, you know, and hopefully someday we'll have Turb on here. And, we need to get Turb. Um, he said he was, if he listens to this, Turb, you said yeah. you were going to call me. I think that was on. Uh, Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah just so to get Turb's story. a great dude. Turkey calling fool. Yeah. You know, and I, and I reached out to Turb this oh. off season on some turkey hunting stuff, and he gave me some advice on some equipment and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. he's been to the house a couple times with Ryan, you know, and had a, had a couple of drinks and hung out. But I don't know him that well. But just a down-home good yeah. dude um, that, that is very passionate guy. about the outdoors and the industry. Oh, he's awesome. Um, and uh, glad that he's a, a friend of the show as, as well. And. Um, I could tell some stories on Turb that were kind of funny about turkey hunting. He can he can run a diaphragm just about as good as me, not quite. Really, it's clo- right. well, it's close. You know, believe it or not, there was one time I watched him that he did not touch a call. Everybody else called the turkey, and he just sat there and shot it. Couldn't believe it. Huh? Nothing wrong with that. I, He's I good. Don't, if it wasn't for the that. fact that it was on, I think it was on video that day. If it wasn't on video, I don't think any of his friends would believe it. Wow. Needless to say, check out his Instagram and Facebook because they killed some studs. Yeah. I don't know where they up in Knox County. I mean, it was no, snow. they were down Southern Illinois, oh. Jasper County. Yeah. They're just awesome, dude. Yeah. And I think awesome. his Instagram is Boontown Co. Something like that. Um, is his Instagram handle B O O N E T O W N C O? And there may be an underscore in there, but um, 
find him or uh, maybe just uh, go to the Deerland uh, Instagram uh, account and we'll repost uh, one of their pictures on there sure. so you can find him find him from there. So, uh, well, fellas, anybody got anything to uh, wrap up this this episode? Man, it's uh, still November. It's November 20th. We're two-thirds of the way through, guys. Um, still November. Uh, we, we started this podcast in a little bit of a difficult time as far as uh, – opportunities for guests and yep. stuff like that but we might have started at the perfect time where we can we can get our feet wet that's right get used to each other and uh and then when season starts to come to an end we can maybe get some good guests we've got uh dreams and aspirations of uh, yeah, some really big, big things you know but yeah. we realized that uh, nothing happens overnight we've got to earn our way and uh, we're wanting to get a product out there that we can uh show potential guests they can you know pick a few of these episodes and listen to bits and pieces see what we're about um, see what our production's about and our personalities um, and hopefully they would be proud to come on um, and give their two cents on a show like this um but uh we're going to continue to keep growing. We, you know, we would love to see our numbers grow more. Uh, we're going to need some help, you know, from all of our listeners and friends and family. Uh, share our Facebook pages, our um, uh, like our YouTube page. Our YouTube page has like two subscribers, and I think I'm one of them. Um, you know, our Instagram account. You know, we're still trying to get those built up, and we got to do a better job ourselves of you know becoming a little more active in uh, social media. And again, that's something that as we start figuring this out more and more, uh, and I think too in the off season when we're hunting less and things slow down, uh, we'll sure. be able to put a little bit more into that. For sure, I think we're going to have some really good uh, topic focused. Uh, podcast in the future they're going to focus just solely on mm-hmm. you know whether that's scent control or food plots or yeah. you know access, scouting or you know equipment i mean just uh, uh, all know. those and, and try to get those you know i guess my my thought on a lot of that stuff guys is just let's get it uh you know let's not wait until april 15th to do food plots let's do that and uh oh, yeah. we, we want to get you that information yeah. ahead of time ahead of time yep. so you can make you know learn We're something gonna, and, and yeah. try to apply a little bit of maybe what we know and uh into your your plots this coming year. We're going to bring it to you when we start thinking about it, which is January sixteenth. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, that's squirrel season. Still, yesterday we got oh, we got till uh, middle Louis, of February. Louis, we now. can uh, we can handle some podcasts yeah. here and in. in uh, but you know, like with food plots, that's something that you know it may be a two, three, four part series on food oh, plots because there is so yeah. much to talk about. Um, and you know, with our, we'll get, some, we'll get some specialists on here too. Yep, and we'll try to do that. Um, but uh, we we appreciate every single view, um, every time that I get a message or an email uh, or a comment from somebody that they've listened and they've enjoyed it. Um, we love hearing that. Um, you know, even if you have some. Uh, critical feedback let us know that as well um we're still uh, learning the ropes here in the podcast world as well so i think we're going to wrap things up here for today um, from deerland hq uh, again check us out on social media our facebook page deerland podcast instagram also the deerland podcast our website deerlandpodcast.com like comment subscribe share if you're on itunes uh, give us a thumbs up uh, give us a five-star rating Uh, Tell all your friends about it, um, and, you know, hopefully we can grow this thing together and uh, keep on uh, providing you with uh, some entertaining content on a weekly basis. So that's going to do it for this week's episode, and we'll see you soon.